today on the Tearsheet Podcast. So what we're trying to do is basically like, you know, right now you have a checking account, something happens, you go to your checking account, you know, for, for you, and you really just see you don't have the money there, you have not all of the money you want, and then you have to go to a credit card or you have to go ask friends. But what if your checking account could sort of morph itself uh, to soothe that particular situation you're in? So say you're in an accident, you go to your checking account, but it comes with this accident insurance product attached to it, where when you let us know that you were in an accident, we automatically sort of process a claim, you send us all the information, and then we send a direct deposit, like, you know, within, hopefully within minutes. Uh, that's where we want to go. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. Into a sea of sameness, new challenger banks are launching left and right. More are focusing on demographic needs, like providing banking services to the LGBTQ community or to new immigrants. Better Financial, on the other hand, addresses a problem the majority of Americans know well, financial shocks. It could be losing a job or getting sick. Better Financial has embedded insurance products into its banking platform that provide a safety net for when something unexpected happens. It all happens behind the scenes. Teal Fellow and founder Kaushik Tiwari is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, uh, I am uh, Kaushik Tiwari, the founder and CEO of uh, Better Banking App. Uh, we are a neobank that helps cushion income volatility and sudden hardships uh, through a mix of embedded insurance and payroll-linked loans. Wow, that's a lot. So l- before we get into that, let's um, let's talk about your background and what brought you here. Yeah, so I I've been interested in startups since since you know since college. I I sort of dropped out halfway through college to the Teal Fellowship. Um, started a healthcare company. Uh, that didn't go anywhere, but learned a lot. And then that sort of got us into insurance. Uh, I started an insurance company for international students. Uh, mm-hmm. We were basically helping international students get cheaper health insurance because most internationals are not going to be using healthcare long-term in the U.S. Uh, you know, we were looking at them as a separate risk pool instead of clubbing them with, with you know, students in general, which most universities do. And we're looking at them as, as a specific population and building a plan for them from scratch. So that's a company that I started back in 2017. Uh, we went through a insurance incubator in Hartford, uh, Connecticut. And, and, you know, since then we've been looking for like sort of the right product to build for an American audience. And uh, what sort of brought us into what we're doing now is uh, my co-founder and brother, uh, he got into a rugby accident playing for his, uh, playing for the school club team and had to go go to ER to get a simple x-ray done. And uh, he had health insurance uh, from us, actually, really good health insurance for that matter. Uh, but it wasn't covered because it was below his deductible. So he had like a $1,500 medical bill that came out of the blue. And, you know, he's a college student, uh, doesn't, you know, has a, has a part-time job, but really doesn't have any sort of an emergency fund built in. And uh, we kind of forgot about the medical bill for a while. And, and then it turned up on his credit report and lowered it by like 50 points. And, and, you know, and he couldn't apply for credit cards and things like that. So that sort of that problem sort of catapulted us where we like started digging into like emergency shocks and how it affects Americans across uh, across different sort of income groups. But majority, you know, in lower to middle income um, sort of if you're making seven five thousand dollars as a family of four, that's your average American household. And if you have a healthcare deductible as five thousand dollars, like how how in the earth are you supposed to come up with that five thousand dollars if something happens? So that is the question that we are we were tr- we we're trying to answer, and that's why that's why we're building better banking. 
So let's talk about how you how you begin to answer that because that that sounds like a pretty core problem that companies um, are, are have different approaches in terms of addressing it. Yeah, no, I think for us, um, you know, people. If you look at how things happen traditionally, is most people will just default to debt, so they'll they'll you know they'll ha- they'll take a credit card loan, and you know pay a high interest APR, or they'll just skip it. They'll just you know like ignore the bill, uh, you know let it go on the credit report, ruin their credit, and long term consequences follow. For us, I think it started from a few things. One was like you know having sort of a a framework to look at these shocks, as we call them, so these unexpected shocks. And there's been a ton of research by like CFPB, by Pew, that, that sort of has gone into it and, and, you know, looked into like how people deal with them. But we classify them as like three kinds, like medical shocks, uh, which is, you know, unintended hospitalization, could be because of an accident or a sickness, income shock, which is a pay cut, uh, you know, you, you showed up at your job and your boss says that, you know, we don't need you for, you know, these shifts anymore because, you know, we're going to keep the shop closed or something. So now you have like less income coming in or you lose a job. That's an income mm-hmm. shock. And the last one is an expense shock. So it could be like, you know, your heating goes down in the middle of winter or your car now needs, an, you know, repair. You can't go to work because you don't have the money for it. So these are the, the shocks that we sort of we we came up with in sort of our conversations with with customers and also just reading all the material that people before us have put together. Um, and we like the idea of embedding it within a checking account uh, because you know checking accounts are the most accessible financial product that somebody can get access to. Uh, most most of the times they don't require a credit check. Um, you know it's it's something that people sort of know how to know how to sort of deal with on an everyday basis everyone has a checking account so what we're trying to do is basically like you know right now you have a checking account something happens you go to your checking account you know for for you and you really just see you don't have the money there you have not all of the money you want and then you have to go to a credit card or you have to go ask friends but what if your checking account could sort of morph itself uh, to soothe that particular situation you're in so say you're in an accident you go to your checking account, but it comes with this accident insurance product attached to it, where when you let us know that you were in an accident, we automatically sort of process a claim, you send us all the information, and then we send a direct deposit, like, you know, within, hopefully within minutes, uh, that's where we want to go, uh, versus like, you know, you you lose a job, we connect to your payroll, so we have access, we have immediate access and visibility into how much you're making on an everyday basis. So we can kind of look at your income streams and then based on that underwrite you like a very low interest or a no interest loan uh, because we're basically just securitizing your your existing paychecks. Uh, We know you make this much. We know you'll make this much next week. You know, today is a temporary blip. So we'll advance you that money. That's really interesting. So let's let's talk a little bit about your view of how the the checking account sort of acts as, as a, as a person's home base, I guess, financially. Um, can you, can you, can you just describe that a little bit more about why you chose the checking account to embed it as opposed to just, you know, selling an insurance product? Yeah, no. So that's actually a good point. So we, we did sell insurance for, from our early lives and, and mm-hmm. we sort of understood the problem. Like the challenge with insurance is like, you know, ultimately it's a, it's a nice to have thing. Most people don't really wake up thinking, you know, they need to buy insurance. Um, so th- there's that challenge of getting over the hump of like, you know, paying paying money, like paying $5, $10, $100 for something that's sort of an abstract promise 
which always exists with insurance. And that doesn't go away when we embed it into a checking account. But the thing that does allow us, the benefit that we get with checking accounts is high engagement, as you said, right? So we have a physical debit card and, and you know, that they use every day. Uh, you know, they take it out like four or five times a dip, depending on how many times they're using their card. Uh, they use our banking up a few times a day. And, and ultimately like, you know, checking account is the place that they go to. So like Pew did a research where like, you know, 78% of Americans like went to their checking account as their first port, like as a first call for help. And uh, for us, I think it was, it was the high engagement that a checking account offers. Also sort of the home base, as you said, right? Like all your bills, all your, your paycheck shows up there, all your bills are deducted from there. And so if you're going to spend all that energy building an insurance product, and then you know, we kind of, you buy it from us once a year and then you forget about it. Uh, we wanted to build a product that had more of a staying value in your life. So. so. So let's talk about, I guess, the mechanics of how that embedded insurance product works within a, within a checking account. Can you describe that a little bit more? Yeah. So I think the way we do it is uh, we have a, we have a group insurance plan. So we work with an insurance partner, AIG in our case, where they're underwriting the, the accident insurance product. Mm-hmm. And uh, it comes with, you know, there's, it's sort of a loyalty program where you, once you open up a checking account with better banking, once you move your direct deposit, then we, then we switch on the safety net, this community safety net, uh, which, you know, has embedded insurance as part of it. Um, and then, so it's within your mobile app, within your banking app, you have an option to file a claim um, as long as you keep meeting the requirements, which in our case is, I think, $500 minimum direct deposit and a $250 spend on the debit card every month. As long as you keep meeting those, uh, those requirements, you're part of our group policy. Uh, and we, we are basically paying the premiums on your behalf for that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I mean, it's like you're, you're able to sell them an insurance product without somebody actually, but there's no actual transaction per se. No, totally. Yeah, I, I think that it's, yeah, like there's no, there's no transaction of like them paying money. They just have to open up a better, better banking account and move the direct deposit and then they're protected. Amazing. And the direct deposit ensures that better banking, you know, sort of retains that primary status as banking account in their lives, right? Exactly. So the, the only way we can, so we're very, very upfront with our customers that like, you know, we, we're funding this insurance through, through interchange. Uh, so we're upfront with them about that. And, and, you know, the goal is to like be the primary banking account and, you know, for them to understand that every time they spend on their debit card, they're actually like sort of contributing a small dollar to their own protection or to protect other people like them. So, you know, folks that were in their shoes, maybe not a few months ago. Uh, so that is the kind of feeling you can think of as a sort of a financial community that's banking, spending, saving together to protect each other from the unexpected. Have you talked about how big, how big that community is so far? Uh, in terms of, uh, in, so right now, you know, we, we launched a few weeks ago. And so right now we're about like, I think about 40 banking customers right mm-hmm. now. Yep. And, and, you know, what we have a wait list of 10,000 people that we onboarded almost a year ago. It's just, it took us a non-trivial amount of time to go live uh, just to get a card program up. It was, it was some amount of legwork involved and in getting all the insurance uh, regulatory approvals. Mm-hmm. We had to go to like, in the state uh, insurance uh, we had to file with the Delaware Department of Insurance and get approvals there. So it took us a little bit, but, you know, we're starting to ramp that up. And, you know, our goal right now is to basically get to a thousand customers, at which point, you know, we start to see like how this really works, you know, in a form and then add on a few other benefits. Like we're adding, we're, we're playing around with the idea of payroll lending, which is mm-hmm. something that we added very recently. Like 
we got feedback from customers that look like I, I love this idea of like, you know, getting paid when I'm hurt, but like there are other things that insurance is not good for. Like insurance of oftentimes has such a narrow utility and that's why, you know, it's cheap. It's designed to act that way because it's ensuring a slice of the risk, but uh, risks like an income risk for that matter, like, you know, an income shock or an expense shock, insurance doesn't offer a very good way to do it. And we've, we've been always been opposed to adding debt. Like we don't want to become an overdrafting app. You know, we've seen a lot of other people find amazing success doing overdrafting, but our goal is to sort of bank, like, you know, the, the middle income American who doesn't overdraft very often, you know, wants to take proactive st- steps to, you know, secure themselves and their family's future. And, but even then you, we needed to build a lending product and then, We've been looking into payroll linked loans for a while, and we work mm-hmm. with Argyle, which is which is a payroll linked product. And so, we were using payroll linking just to move direct deposit. That was our use case, primary use case, where you know you can move your direct deposit instantly within the Better Banking app. But then we realized, why don't we leverage that relationship to then offer you loans? Uh, because we all kind of already know how much you've worked last week and how much you're going to work next week, and in fact, how many hours you've worked this week. Uh, so yeah. And so that that's more like an early wage access, or that actually would be in the form of a, a additional, I guess, debt. No, it would be in the form of additional debt. So okay, yeah. So it basically, like you know, we'll see how much you make every week. So say you make at say you make five hundred bucks every week, right? So mm-hmm. we'll advance you up to five hundred dollars, and you then pay it back in like fifty dollar increments over the next ten weeks or so. Got basically. it. Yeah. What were some of the challenges, um, given that you're so uh, fresh launching, like that you had with um, launching a card program? Like, who did you work with and what was that process like? Yeah. So, you know, we were working with Unit right now and Mm -hmm. Unit has been amazing partners. Uh, You know, we we started working with them in March of uh, 2020, which is like, you know, three, three months ago now. And yeah, 2021, sorry, March of 2021. And, yeah. and, uh, and then, you know, within three months, I think they, they got us, I mean, before that, you know, we were working with another partner and, and there was, we basically like, there was some sort of communication issues around figuring out, like, like getting approvals from the bank, like getting compliance approvals was one, I think data security, like we weren't, we weren't in the loop that we needed to get a whole ISO 27,001 and, mm-hmm. you know, a SOC 3 compliance. So that was sort of a surprise for us early on. So, uh, you know, we we had to sort of change banking partners from our earlier partner to move to Unit in March of 2021. And so since then, with working with Unit has been a breeze. Like, you know, these guys are hungry as we are. They're a startup. You know, uh, we have a Slack channel with them. Uh, you know, so everything, any sort of issue that pops up, we can sort of text, you know, message them as we, as I would message any member of our team. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think there are new banking as a service platforms coming up that like sort of are geared very differently than sort of, you know, the sort of the previous crowd of banking as a service where like, I think they're much more geared towards working with startup like, like, like us, where, mm-hmm. where they understand the constraints we work with uh, in terms of time, mostly where like, you know, if things are taking two, three weeks, um, it's, it's not the, yeah, it, it's, if every sort of response takes two, three weeks, it's not the best way to work together. Totally. Yeah. And we've had Itai on, on the podcast and and he spoke at, at one of our conferences as well. Um, what about, you mentioned building this wait list and you're, you're slowly letting people in off the wait list. What are your plans for, you know, onboarding new customers, marketing, customer acquisition, that kind of stuff? 
Yeah, so I think we've been very, we've been very sort of, uh, I guess, deliberate about the kind of customers we we onboard. So like early on in our in our onboarding flow, like you, you know, you create a account with us, but before you even create a bank account, we you connect your existing bank account. So you have to link your primary banking account with Plaid early on. And we use that to verify whether you meet our minimum income requirements. So you have to have at least a $500 direct deposit because what we learned to our wait list was a lot of people just come through where like their primary accounts don't show much inter- like much transaction volumes at all. Uh, and I don't know, maybe it's because they're connecting like a throwaway account, but it was important for us to focus on sort of the users that will convert to direct deposit because Smart. we're early. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so one of the, so, you know, one thing we require early on is you have to connect your existing primary account. We verify minimum transactions. So we we make sure that you spend at least 250 bucks on your debit card. You have at least $500 of uh, direct deposit. That also helps with uh, reducing fraud because we want at least two months of transaction history on your existing card. So, you know, so if you're trying to just sort of open up a bank account and do some ACH fraud, that actually helps reduce that. The second thing we do is we ask you to move at least $20 before you ship you a debit card. Um, And that was, again, a way for us to sort of vet people. Like if you create a bank account with us, if you don't move the $20, then you don't get your debit card, um, which increases, you know, people actually activating their cards Mm -hmm. later on. More friction. Exactly. And and so in terms of user acquisition, I think our focus is um, primarily on our wait list and word of mouth. So the idea is like, you know, we want to do things like, you know, build your grow your wait list by adding family members. You know, so that feeling of community where like you get like five, you know, five spots that you can fill up with your friends and family and you can kind of you know invite them onto the wait list. Other than that, I think Facebook ads is obviously something we've explored in the past. Uh, so Facebook install ads targeted at states that have like high rates of uninsured uh, populations. And uh, so that's something. And then um, what, what we're also trying to do is like, you know, TikTok and stuff like that. We're still getting around to it, but we're, we're early in a turn. Our goal is to just get to a thousand and then, and then sort of, and then go aggressive on, uh, you know, user acquisition. 1000 fans. What, um, yeah, definitely. When you start uh, figuring stuff out at TikTok, come back. We'd love to hear uh, some of how, how some of your experiments go. Uh, what do you, what about in terms of funding? How are, how are you funding the company right now? Yeah. So we raised a pre-seed round uh, from Slow Ventures in, um, so in, I think last summer of summer of 2020. Uh, and um, we're at the point where, you know, we have, you know, startups raised an 18 month timeline. So we're reaching a point where like right now, you know, we're basically acquiring customers, getting some proof points and then going back on the road to fundraise. Great. I, I have one last question for you. You mentioned sort of this, this payroll lending product. Um, it sounds to me probably like you've thought a little about a, other ancillary products that you could add to the mix. Um, well, I don't even want to put words in your mouth. Like what, what next for the product as you're thinking about um, evolving the product? Yeah. So I, we've been, we've been thinking about it in different ways. So one, one approach is like, you know, we were very met like a health focus, like medical focus, like sort of um, at least for the first six months or year of our sort of existence, that, that was our frame of reference. Uh, credit has been sort of, you know, past two months we've been playing around because we're getting a lot of feedback from customers that wanted, you know, also you have to react to competition in some ways. So we've seen like almost every other new bank have some form of credit product. Like I think one has like a, you know, it has like a 12% APR loan that they offer. So we're looking at what other people are doing and, and sort of responding to that as well, as well as kind of, and trying to fit that into our sort of framework. Like we just don't want to copy what somebody else is doing. So 
our whole goal is like we're building banking for the unexpected. So insurance obviously is a start. Like you know, payroll linked loans is is one thing, but we want to go deeper into healthcare. So having like virtual virtual primary care. So we're speak we're talking to a virtual primary care provider so that you know if if you bank with us, we can give you like discounted um, medical advice anytime you want. Uh, we're starting to look into like dental and vision plans. Uh, you know, sickness, like we're starting with accident, but we want to do more upsells. So like sickness insurance and then going on to other forms. So sickness insurance is we're interested in dental vision plans. Um, yeah. Family, uh, like, you know, ha- like being able to pay a little bit more and then covering your entire family instead of just the individual. So those are things that we're excited by, but it's about build for us. It's about building sort of around that feeling of what are the different unexpected shocks someone could have. And, uh, for example, like something like, you know, like a car, like there is no sort of car insurance, but like one form, like we're still trying to figure that out, but some form of like auto coverage would be helpful for our customers because that goes into our, our theme of unexpected. Like, and, and, and I've looked into some other people are doing around like subscription home repairs. So you pay like a subscription amount. It's not insurance, but it like actually if your, you know, if your appliances break down or anything, they'll come fix it for free. There's some startups that are doing that. I think there's one called Super. So we're like, you know, we're just excited by what everybody is doing and, and seeing how it intersects with our, our goals. I love that idea of the unexpected because that's so real and so part of everybody's life, you know, like it's easy to plan for the, well, relatively easy to plan for the expected, but the unexpected and those shocks that you describe, I think is, is what most Americans have to contend with. Exactly. And like, that's, it's good to hear you say that because we've been sort of, we've, in terms of how we signal to customers, we've been focusing on the unexpected because we want to become a problem focused, uh, uh, you know, problem focused sort of bank, like six Mm -hmm. in 10 Americans have faced a financial shock, uh, PU did the study in 2015, and and you know that was a number that they came up with. And these shocks could be a trip to a hospital, you know, pay cut, car repair, home repair, and uh, we've seen other people do stuff around. Like we're seeing a lot of like freelancers come through, like you know, because we have Argyle access, we can look at how, how where people work, and so we have a lot of like Instacart drivers and Uber drivers come through, and and we've been figuring out whether we should sort of rebrand ourselves more in the focus of, you know, like banking for gig economy but so far we've kind of held up on off on that because we're really excited by this unexpected that we want to focus on the problem which affects more people than just gig economy workers it could affect you if you like you know work at walmart doesn't matter you know you you work for doordash Uh, so so thank you i appreciate that sure kaushik thanks for joining us on the tersheet podcast today thanks zach